we can praise the Lord together, worship Him together. It's a beautiful day. So welcome once again to Orange Coast. My name is Toby. I serve as a lead pastor here. It's such an honor, such a privilege just to be and standing here and sharing the Word of God with you. And welcome also to this season of Lent. We are leading up to the season time of celebrating Easter, which is coming in a month. I mean, can you believe that? I mean, it's so, so important time for us as Christians this time of the year as we anticipate the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. And for those who believe in that resurrection, in that power of death coming to life again, that changed everything. That event that took place 2,000 years ago changed everything, and it still has the power to change everything for those who seek. And, uh, you know, and we look forward to that. However, first, Jesus had to die. He had to die on the cross, showing us the way of his love and grace and mercy on that cross where he died and suffered. And so today's passage from Luke chapter 6, it begins, Jesus began to talk about what that way of love, what his way of life looked like. And he is introducing us that, and he is inviting us to that. So it's going to get tough because that is the way of the cross where he put his life down for us. And this is exactly where he is inviting us to today. And what he taught is different from any other teachings that we could ever find in the world. And that's, that's challenging because, you know, when we really seek that, it's going to turn our lives upside down. It's going to change the way we look at this world. And it's going to challenge us to see this world upside down. So I want to share you a story about this woman. Her name is Vojana Danilovic. He's a, she's a woman from Serbia. And she has an a, a interesting neurological uh, condition in her brain that makes her see the world upside down. So that's her picture, and see her. Wow. She's reading the, uh, the the newspaper upside down. She types upside down. Her keyboard is upside down. It's like especially made for her, and she sees the TV upside down. It drives her family crazy. But that's exactly how she is. And the reason why I show you that picture of her is following Jesus. It's kind of like that. It makes us see the world upside down. It makes us see the things from a different perspective. That could be completely opposite and upside down from where we are used to, where we came from. See the world through his eyes. And we are being challenged. But this is what we get to live with, with his love. His love that is so revolutionary. And that is so different from anything else. And it's also this love that is supernatural. And that's the love that is alive within us. And that's, just imagine, just imagine, church, for a second, just having 10% of His love within us. Just imagine that. Or just even 1% of His love active in your life. That's going to change your life. That's going to change the way you relate to other people. That's going to change every aspect of our lives. But check this out. What if we could be 100%? What if that love of Jesus be 100% fully activated in that life. I mean, just can you imagine that? And the Bible says we can have that. The Bible says that he wants to live in you and fully be free and activate and set you free. And that is the life that we are being invited to. So are we ready to dive in? 
to the Word of God today? You guys doesn't... Okay, good, good, good. So are you ready? Let's go. All right. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 6, and it's going to challenge you. And like I said last week, you've been warned because it's going to make us see the world upside down. So if you're ready, let's read this together. If you have your Bibles, if you want to open it up, it's chapter 6 of Luke, and we're going to look at from verse 27. But it'll be on the screen as well. So let us read this together and be challenged by the Word and let the Word speak to us this morning. Here we go. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn them to them, the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. I mean, this is upside down kingdom values that we are being taught by jesus christ and is it can it be challenging enough come on right i mean jesus you're expecting us to do all this i mean don't you wish it was a little bit easier can don't you wish he just says you could kind of hate your enemy or don't you wish he said you know (laughs) you, you know if they want something at least want it back you know don't you wish he said that make it a little bit easier to work with This teaching was completely new, even in their standards back then when Jesus shared this 2,000 years ago. And even in the Jewish culture, the tradition and the Israelites, you know, back then when or in that world that they people lived back then. And I think that's the world we live in right now. But when you get attacked by an enemy, you pay them back, right? Five times, ten times, get them back. Because what you want to show is don't mess with me. Because if you do, I'm going to get you back and you're going to regret what you've done. I mean, that's the attitude that we live with. I mean, this world teaches us that. And y'all laughing because, you know, that's how you work sometimes. I mean, you know, you want to get them back so that you never have to deal with that again. I mean, that's how politics works. That's how the world war starts. I mean, these are what the, the history that we as human beings live through and pay back. But then in that times... In the Old Testament or in the Jewish religion, Jewish tradition, this says, okay, let's just at least make it eye for an eye at best, okay? So if you do it to me, I'm going to do it to back to you. It's only fair. Eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and you've heard that before. And that is the, the funk, that was what the Bible said, that that's fine. Be fair, at least. And then came Jesus. He is putting that value upside down. Basically, what he's inviting us to is don't depend on fairness. Don't depend on reason. Don't depend on what you feel that is appropriate. But go beyond, way beyond. And that is the life. That is the way that he is teaching us. And he put this so simply. Do do to others what you want them to do to you. And this is now known to be the golden rule. But I promise you, it's golden because we got Jesus. We cannot live that without Jesus. See, that is the concept, that is the mindset that he is teaching all of us today. And when we do so, when we follow that, it will put to, put 
this value that is this upside down kingdom value. But then let's ask ourselves, why? Why is Jesus challenging us to that standard? Why is Jesus inviting us to live that way, to see everything upside down? Because who does that, <laughs> right? I mean, who? who? Jesus. First of all, that's exactly how Jesus loved us. Leading up to the cross, you know the story. He turned the other cheek. When they took, stripped off his clothes, he was left with nothing. And he says, um, that, take it, take it. And that's exactly what he did. And he did not retaliate whatsoever. That's exactly how he loved us, you and I. So the number one reason, number one, reason number one of why he's asking us for this standard, it is to let us know how much he loves you. It is to remind you that that's how he loves you. He is inviting us to do the same. So that's the first reason. It is for us to understand that's the love that he has for me. See, because think about it. What if Jesus didn't love his enemies? What if he did what was fair? What if he did what was reasonable and that's it? Mike, can you do me a favor and turn the light off right now? The whole entire room. Boom. It's complete darkness. Well, not forget the spotlight. See, that's complete darkness. See, if Jesus says, that's it, I'm going to do what is just normal, then we only have darkness. There's no hope. Okay, that's good. Thank you. But you know, you get the point. See, that's exactly how he showed us his love. And through that, only through that, we have hope. Because he could have said, I'm done. I don't want to die for these people. I don't want to die on the cross. And then we'll be left <laughs> with darkness. There's no cross. No redemption, no resurrection. Because you realize, Romans 5, 8 reminds us this, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are still sinners. See, we once was enemy to God because we sinned. We turned our back against Him. But He still loved you. Forgive. Forgave the unforgivable, which was us. Came long ways to reach And he gave himself on the cross, him life on the cross when he had nothing left. There was literally nothing left that Jesus was able to give. So he gave himself. And he's good to us. Even though when we are nowhere close to good to him, he is good. And we wonder, how could we be like that? We can't. We can't be like Jesus. It's so opposite from where we were. And, and so upside down from how we function naturally. But what if we can? What if we can? Jesus loves you no matter how much you have turned your back against Him, right? I mean, He has not given up on you, right? And He lives in you, right? Then we can. Then we can. So the thing is this. We're not going to do it with our strength. We've done that, we tried that, and we failed miserably. And that's not what he's trying to ask you to do. He's not going to ask you to say, just keep drawing what you're doing with your own power, or with your own strength, or what you could do on your own. No, he's not about that. But when there's nothing good left in us to offer, when we can't forgive, when we refuse to turn the other cheek, that's when we are the closest to Jesus. Because he's waiting right beside you for you to surrender that. I'll take it from there. We just sang a song called Touch the Sky. I love those words. 
Because it says, I found my life when I laid it down. We try to take control. We try to make sure we plan ahead. And we, we have our future set. And that's when we, as humans, think we got this. We got this life all set. No. We lay it down, and that's where we find true life. And it also says we are falling upward, upward falling. I mean, that's upside down kingdom value. And I touch the sky when our knees hit the ground. When we are all about ourselves, we will never reach God. But when we are broken, when we are lost, when we are dry, when we have no hope, that's when Jesus is, you feel him right there. And that's what he is inviting us to. So the reason number two, why he's teaching us this crazy upside down kingdom value, it is an invitation for us to surrender. I don't got it, Jesus. But that's a good thing. This is the upside down kingdom that we as a church, as Christians, as a community of brothers, sisters in Christ, we will walk together. And that's what this faith journey is all about. We're going to walk together. Don't do it alone. Let's do it together. And then let's read what he says. Verse 35, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. But your reward will be great. And you will, you will be children of the Most High. That's us. Because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. That used to be us. Who He showed mercy and kindness. Verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And then Jesus then goes on to warn us about the condition of our heart. Let's look at this together. Verse 37, can we read that? Here we go. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, this concept, do not measure, you will not be judged. Oftentimes, this is easily misunderstood by Christians. See, Jesus isn't saying, don't ever judge. Because the thing is, we do need healthy judgment upon each other, right? It's called accountability. See, we need truth spoken into us by trusted friends, brothers and sisters of Christ that says, no, we, we got to look to the Bible together. See, that's, see, Jesus isn't saying that. He says, continue to work in health and unity, but don't judge for the pleasure of judging. He's reminding us because the motive of judging others can be easily be twisted, don't you think? And you and I know, if we're honest about ourselves, that we've judged others to avoid what we need to really deal with. We have judged others to defend ourselves. We have judged others to simply attack on someone else so that we could feel a little bit better about us. I mean, you don't have to nod to this, but I'll say for sure, I've done it myself. And that's what Jesus is trying to get, to speak to us our hearts, the motives of our hearts, because judging could be such a dangerous tool to make you feel self-righteous and self-superior. 
And let's be honest, maybe we have been too judgmental, too condemning for the wrong reasons to others. But merciful Father has a merciful children. And it's hard if we've never got that from our earthly fathers. When our father, earthly father has been not merciful or not graceful, then it's hard to imitate that because that, those things affect us. When we've been abused, when we've been mistreated, it's hard to do that onto others. But here's the invitation. Jesus, through him, we know this heavenly father who is full of grace and mercy. So, the mercy and grace that was been given to you, he uses his mercy and grace to measure you, measure you and I. So now this scripture reminds us that use that same measure to do unto others, to measure others. So be, you could be graceful and merciful as he's been merciful and graceful to you. Because after all, we've been so- talking about this since last week. We, don't, we represent Jesus, right? We are the children of God, right? We are the apostles who are representative of his values in this world, right? So that means we must use the same measure. Because if you do otherwise, if you keep using your own measure, it'll come right back at you. And now, to this most, I think it's one of the most profound parables of all Jesus' teaching. And we're going to read this together. And it always brings me back how I must relate to you, to everyone else, and how we relate to one another. So let's look at verse 41. It says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes. And then it says, pay no attention to plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. See, Jesus isn't, talking about not having accountability or anything like that. But first, come on. Don't you see that you got this huge thing sticking out of your eye and you're walking like a fool. If you're trying to do that, it says, let me take that off of your eyes. See, you know, this is such this value that it it gets me every time, right? Every time. And I hope we could do some reflection. And let's keep on reflecting right now. Who are the Christians that have made an impact in your life? Who were they? Were they the judgmental ones? I don't think so. Think about those people who have poured into you and have invested in you and shared their heart with you and their testimony with you. Who were those people who have touched your faith deeply? Who were they? Perhaps they may be the ones who have loved you unreasonably, And they were merciful even when you did not deserve it. Maybe it could be those people, those those Christians. Maybe it was your family member that was joyful and grateful and thankful, even though they had all the reasons to complain and whine. Maybe there are people who went out of their ways when they did not have to, to serve others. Maybe those people, they were the people who were able to admit that they're the first to admit, I got this huge plank in my eye. See, they were the ones who represented this upside-down kingdom values to us. We cannot help but to see Jesus overflowing from them. 
And we were attracted. We were impacted by them. And Jesus is inviting us to live the same way for others. For me, there's this person. I'm not going to tell you who. I'm not going to get into details. But this person had all the the reasons to, to hate me and to doubt me. But rather this person just showed mercy and love and grace. And this person is always the first one to admit, I got this blank in my eye too. So who am I to say? And this person gives me a huge hug and encourages me every time we meet. I see Jesus in this person all the time. What about you? Who were they? So may Jesus, just like that, may Jesus be evident in your life as you relate to others in this world, in your life, in your neighborhood, in your families. That's reason number three. Reason number three why Jesus is asking us to live with his values, this upside down and walk upside down in this world, to see this world upside down is so that... (laughs) Others could witness the love of Jesus that has took a hold of your heart, hold of your life, and changed you, and is changing you, and then is overflowing from you. See, when we live that, when we try to live just like Jesus has taught us, then people will know, and they will find Jesus in you. Is it not the best thing that we could do? To let peop- the people know, we're not going to try to, you know, shove that in them, but in your life, they get to see Jesus all over. See, that's number three. He, that's where he is inviting us to so that you could be a vessel where the love of Jesus is overflowing from you. So how can we live this way, church? How can we together as a body of Christ live this way? Well, Jesus gives us the way. But before we look into the scriptures, let's watch this skit. You might have seen this before. It's called Lord, Lord. Can we look at the screen? Laura. Hey, Lord. So how did it go with Kat? Did you talk to her? Oh, well, Lord, not exactly. (laughs) Did you forgive her? Well, Lord, I mean, I was just thinking, like, why should I forgive her? (laughs) Because I asked you to. Well, yeah, I know you did, Lord, but why? We shouldn't have to know why, just that I asked you to do it. Well, that doesn't make any sense, Lord. I mean, you don't understand the situation. Kathleen has an attitude problem. Laura, you believe that I know what is best for you and for Kat? Well, yeah, Lord. Then you'll do this. But, Lord... This is no different than when I've asked you to do anything else. Yes, this is, Lord. This is way different. When I asked you to quit your job, you quit. Well, of course, Lord, but I didn't like my job, so I was happy to leave, you know? I mean, this is way different. Okay, Lord, you know what? I've got an idea. How about we give it a week and I'll pray about it? Uh, I'll give you my answer now. Uh, But, Lord... Look, Kat's coming by here very soon. She's coming by here? Well, uh, let's go. Now's your chance to talk to her. I want you to forgive her. Lord, you don't understand. Hey! like two weeks since we've had coffee. Oh, it has. We should totally get together this week. Wow, I can't do that. I am so busy. Oh, yeah. Well, how about next week? Well, you know, actually, I don't think it's going to happen for a while. Oh, well, is everything okay? Oh, yeah, everything's great. Uh Uh-huh. All right. um, I guess I'll just um, see you later then. Bye. Lord, did you hear that attitude? I thought you were going to forgive her. I thought you said we could wait a week, Lord. No, you said that. Oh, 
okay, Lord, you're being unreasonable, okay? Why don't you just go talk to Kathleen and have her come to me and ask for my forgiveness? Laura, you need to obey. I want you to forgive Kat. But Lord... Why do you keep calling me Lord? You won't even do what I ask. Luke six forty six. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. 48 says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like a man or woman who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed. Its destruction was complete. Other translation says, destruction was awful. See, Jesus, remember today, when, he, when we opened up in verse 27 of Luke 6, He says, but to you who are listening. And today, we've heard what He said. We know what He wants us to do. So now, we have a choice to make. <coughs> Which one of the builders are you? The one who put into practice all that Jesus has taught and lived out and with his life gave an example for us to follow? Or the one who hears Jesus, but the word, his words, are just mere words and it's not entering into the heart. It's, you've been, it's been blocked out and it's not impacting the heart. And the word of God only goes in vain down the drain. Jesus is clear. The difference will be evident when the flood of life comes. And it will. It will come when it is maybe least expected. But it will come. We don't want our lives to come crashing down because of not taking his words seriously. Let us be the ones who put into practice all that he's taught. And we are doing everything we can to follow and obey. The one who pays attention to the plank in your eyes before talking about other people. The ones who love people beyond what is fair or maybe what is reasonable or what is comfortable. The ones who sees the world upside down through the lens of Jesus. And it's going to lead us to walk upside down from whatever the world is teaching the ones who will trust in Him, that He will raise us up whenever and every time we fall, every time we fail, because all we do is to surrender to Him. And that's how Jesus will become our foundation. Just like Jesus said, and please take His word for it, that you will not be shaken. Amen, church? Can we do that? Sure we can. Of course, because Jesus Christ is with us today and forever. What's next? Weekly challenge. All right, church. Here's one I want you to take out your phones. 
take out your iPad, take a picture of this, and take this with you. For the no, please take your time to read once again chapter 6 of Luke, 27 to 49. Oh man, it's challenging. It's going to take, spin your life and the world upside down. I know it should. That's what it intended to do. But the question I want to ask is, which one verse, and I'm just asking one, one verse that struck you the most? And the cool thing is, what touches you over here is different from what touches him. And that's the crazy part, that the word of God is alive and active in our lives. And it will. In what struck you yesterday, maybe not what strikes you today. But that's why we know, that's how we know the word of God is active and alive. So please think about when you read it, what stood out to you? What strikes you the most? And then think about the second question. What do you think God is telling you through that one verse? For some, it could be about a verse on forgiveness. For some, it could be one about giving and doing good to others. When they hate you, praying for those who insult you. You never know, but open up the word and let that sink in and see what strikes you the most. And then the grow. Here's the part where this will help us to check up on our hearts. Do you have a Christian accountability partner who will speak truth into your life? And you could somebody who you could share the joy and the struggles of the walk with God because we have all our ups and downs. If not, this week, would you pray to God? Ask one from God. Because that is so essential in us growing in our faith. And then the overflow. Which one of the teachings? Let's stick to one right now. Which one from Jesus that you will put into practice this week? May the Almighty God be with us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today and the word of, through Jesus that was spoken. May your spirit continue to raise us up just like the spirit raised Jesus up from the dead, giving us hope, knowing that when we follow you, it will challenge us. However, it is the life that you are inviting us to live. So God, there's so many things that we depend on our own strength, on our own perspectives. But you are challenging each and every one of us to see that fully upside down because it is out of this world, literally. But we get to hear that. We get to witness that in the life of Jesus. So help us to imitate that the best that we can. But thank you for giving us brothers and sisters that we could do this together, to walk in this upside down kingdom together. But more than anything, help us to be the ones who practice what you have taught in our lives. And as we do so, you become our foundation and we will not be shaken because we're tired of building our lives, our house on the sand. And whenever the storm comes, it gets swept away and we have to do it all over again. We're tired of that. We want to stand on this firm ground. Help us to build our lives upon your word of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand for this last song.
song we could ever sing 